0: Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel, family church, and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Bernard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you on Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. I don't know how much I'm going to get through. I've got too many notes, but we'll go as far as we can. Um, But I'm calling this collateral damage. And um, collateral damage is some person in the center of something who creates some kind of a disturbance that hurts not just themselves, but people around them as well. That's the collateral damage that can come from our lives, that can come from our actions, um, because our culture is going through such an amazing transition that, that I could not have imagined the things that our society takes for granted when I was a kid. I just couldn't have imagined them. You know, there was such a sense of our country being good, at least when I was a kid, you know, patriotic. My dad was a World War II guy, so we were very patriotic, and there were always parades and celebrations and Pledge of Allegiance and so many different things that gave you a good sense of being an American. I'm reading this book... Um, a man named Carl Truman, and uh, the book is entitled The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to the Sexual Revolution. I'm not even done with the book myself, but it's, um, it's an academic book. He's a professor. British guy, professor, it's academically written, so it's it's kind of a slog, it's slow reading. Sometimes you have to go over things once, twice, three times to really get, capture his thinking. And sometimes, you know, we read people as Christians. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. It's like hanging out with a friend. When I find an author that I really respect, it's like having a friend. And uh, so you read, and sometimes you don't maybe connect with everything they say, but this guy says some good things. He actually writes for um, a magazine that I've been getting for a lot of years called First Things, and it's all um, academic people who are have a church orientation or a Christian orientation. It's, it's uh, really good. And so when I found out he had this book out, uh, I figured to give it a try, and I've really been enjoying it. And so I'm going to sort of weave in and out of his thoughts, and really what's most important to us is what the Bible says, yes? Yes. Okay, so Washington Irving wrote the fanciful tale of a henpecked, work-shy man named... Rip Van Winkle. Published in 1819, the story is set in late 18th century America and tells how Rip lay down while out squirrel hunting in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Dulled by drink, he fell into a deep sleep and he woke up 20 years later not realizing that he had slept more than overnight. There were really Strange sign, uh, signs that something had happened because he didn't really get it at first. Um, his beard was full long. His dog was gone. His rifle was rusty. And he entered his village. He didn't even ne- recognize it. There were buildings he didn't remember. His clothes looked old-fashioned. Children made fun of him. Rip proclaimed himself a loyal subject of King George the Third not realizing that while he was asleep, the War of Independence had happened, and um, we we're now a country, USA. Uh, he, was at, he felt out of place, and he didn't know why. And so I just said that as a primer to to any of us who had some of these traditional values and thought of our culture our country as these traditional Judeo-Christian values um, being sort of ubiquitous. I mean, you know, like everybody shared these values. So even if you were on a different side of the political aisle, you know, there were disagreements, but it wasn't as vicious as what we experience today. You know, your your next-door neighbor could be of the opposite... uh, political bent, and you could still have a barbecue with them, you know? Not <laughs> right? So, and that doesn't mean people didn't have opinions. They had opinions just like, you know, we all have opinions today, and not everybody went to church, and, you know, but when you ask almost anybody, you know, what church do you go to, they almost always had an answer. You know, I'm... I'm a Methodist, I'm a Catholic, I'm a this, I'm of that. Even if they didn't go, they at least associated with one, because there was pressure on people. There was a sense of pressure on everybody to be connected with a Christian church. I think that Christianity today, we're experiencing a Rip Van Winkle moment. We in the church are waking up to the fact that we don't live in the same culture that we grew up in. We woke up, and it's 20 years later, and there are all kinds of strange beliefs and things, and 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 ideas that permeate our culture and are accepted as as the way things just are, and um, a lot of it, frankly, is just new. It's new thinking, and. And the, it seems like the transition happened so fast. And a lot of times, you know, you have the expression, you're caught flat on your feet, you know, and so you're not really all that well-balanced, I really think for, to a large degree, the church has been caught flat on its feet, you know. So church has turned toward entertainment or it's turned toward, you know, other... Aspects of things to help to draw people in. All those church want churches want people to connect with Jesus, but there's just different attempts at doing so, right? Um, many many Christians today are having a similar experience as old Rip. They may not have been physically asleep for 20 years, but they have been cocooned in a little Christian bubble of Sunday church, Christian conferences, Christian books, and Christian music. They've been insulated against the disconnection, disconnected from the secular society. Now they're walking, I'm sorry, now we're waking to the fact that the world has changed and things can't go on as they have before. We find ourselves a, a distinct minority when it comes to higher education, the media, um, what else? I don't know, there are three three elements that have been sort of shanghaied in our culture, maybe maybe the political world too. Uh, Believers used to be thought of as somewhat odd. If you were a hardcore believer, you were a little bit of an oddball, always right, especially if you belong to a traditional church and you heard of these people who were holy rollers, you know, things like that. You know, we would call them and make fun of them and all of that. I haven't done any holy rolling in a bit (laughs) ever, actually. (laughs) But our expressive praise and worship is very, very different than a traditional church. Liturgical kind of church. Um, now we're increasingly regarded as a harmful influence in, in society. And if you listen, you listen to the right voices, you'll find out that Christianity is actually very dangerous to the society that's being created now. Um, we're the bad guys. And I, I'm not saying that everybody's true. A lot of people are very kind and respectful, and even if they're not Christians, a lot of people so I'm not trying to make blanket statements, stereotypes over everything, but there's certainly a, a sense in our culture that um, Christianity doesn't have the kind of respect of purity that it once had. You know, there was a, maybe they didn't like Christians, but they always kind of everybody liked Jesus, right? They may not say, I don't really believe he was this or that or everything, but I, I like what he teaches, right? So um, now we're basically regarded as harmful. Things like freedom of religion and freedom of speech were once regarded as absolute rights. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech. You could say what you want. You know, that was, that was an American right. Um, And now, even those basic um, American rights found in the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Constitution, they're being challenged. You know, if if you say something, right? Um, What happens when God is rejected? For the last 100 years or more, secular thinkers have argued that God either doesn't exist or at least is irrelevant to our daily life. We might, many people are deists. They believe that God is out there over the rainbow and uh, may judge us in the end times, but it really doesn't have much to do with how we live our life now. And um, that's, that's so counter-biblical because the, the, the biblical record speaks of a place that's literally populated with the spiritual world. Like I say, I have said a number of times before, we're derivative of the spiritual world. The spiritual world is not derivative of man's thinking. We didn't make up a religion. So our Christianity is not derivative. We're derivative. God is real. God is more stable. God is more unbending, unmoving, real, active in your life than you could ever imagine. We will be so surprised in our eternity when we look down and if culture is still going on as it is, we will see that there are, there are multiple, time, multiple times the presence of angels, demons, God's Holy Spirit surrounding you every moment of every day, than you could ever imagine. Remember Helen Reddy sang "You and Me Against the World." Probably most of you don't remember that '70s tune, you know. But um, sort of feels like "You and Me Against the World." And when you're in God, it's never "You and Me Against the World." As a matter of fact, it's "You and Me Loving the World," because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And one touch, one touch of the water of heaven on your tongue changes you forever. Changes you forever. You're never the same ever again. Anybody be in Christ, the Bible says he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Yeah. so for the last hundred years secular thinkers have argued that god either doesn't exist or at least is irrelevant he could be dispensed with and that's uh, that's the whole point here he could completely be dispensed with god get him out of our way because he tells us that we don't we're not supposed to do a lot of things that we we do right yeah. um The Bible says otherwise. To turn away from God affects the society at the deepest possible level, and that's your collateral damage. That's where you're raising your children in a society that if you've connected with God and you're trying to live your life according to him, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind when you're trying to do that with your children or trying to live the kind of lifestyle that the Bible calls us to, which frankly is much more fulfilling. All right, Paul spoke to the church at Ephesus, and he said, the people without God are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. You don't have God. You have a hard heart. Your heart gets hard. Having lost, it doesn't mean you can't laugh and cry and sing. You just don't have the depth of soul that you have an opportunity to cultivate when you know Jesus. Yeah. Charles Taylor, is another guy that I've read, you know, he says now that we, we have an imminent frame, culture has created a life where we can have an imminent frame inside of us with no need for God. See, they used to teach that there's a God shaped hole in everyone, and, and you have to get that, that God shaped hole filled when you accept Jesus that God-shaped hole, like a round peg in a round hole, is filled. But Charles Taylor, who's a brilliant uh, intellectual Christian, he says, we've created a culture where we can have an eminent frame. We don't need God. We've got enough to keep us going in our lives, whether we're after new cars or big houses or or whatever that cavity is inside, you could spend your life doing it. You know, relationships, you know, the whole sexuality thing. You know, marriage is, as an institution, is really been challenged. Yeah. You know, and in, in many cases, shot. And I'm not, again, that's not, I'm not saying anything Out of any kind of hatred or any kind of just, um, I don't know, it's self-evident. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. See, that hole you'll never fill, that hole for for doing, you know, the things that the Bible would call... um, just sensuality, human sensuality, rather than loving with the love of God. You know, you love the love of God. When we say praise the Lord, it's not because I'm so happy. Because It's because I will myself to praise the Lord. Do you understand? I will praise the Lord. I'm going to do this out of my will. Now what happens is, this is the big mo. You get momentum when you're praising and worshiping God. Then you don't ever want to stop. And then the feelings actually catch up to you. But you start by priming the pump from your will. Praising the Lord. Okay, those verses were from Ephesians 4, and they spell out the trajectory toward hedonism for those who live without God. And hedonism is... Anything goes. You know, I get to say who I am. I get to say what I believe. You have nothing to say about it. I will do what I want to do. I will say what I want to say. And and there is no authority here that I bow to. There's nothing that I bow my knee to other than my whim. Okay? Um, they, having lost sensitivity to God and to spiritual things, they filled the void left in their heart with sensuality. They give themselves over to the physical pleasures. Paul indicates that this heads in the direction of illicit sex, which is really at the end of the road. If we read Romans chapter 1, we'll find out that this sexual anarchy that we live in, the culture of sexual anarchy, is sort of the end of the cycle of a culture, where God literally backs away and allows the culture to have what it wants. We, we think the wrath of God is going to be God coming down and, and beating people with a club. No, the wrath of God is God giving you, to, giving you to do what you want to do without resisting it. Right? God never stopped convicting my heart. Right? Never stop convicting my heart. Um, this, is, uh, this is Romans 1. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. I look at the mountains and the rivers and the birds and the bees and human society and so on and so forth I mean it's plain God has made it plain to us it's not hard to find him unless we don't want to find him for since the creation of the, of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being clearly seen from what has been made the, the world, the environment, right? So that people are without an excuse, the scripture says, so that, because everything about God is, you can see it, is there chaos in the world? Absolutely. I'm not saying there's not chaos in the world. And that's your, that's the area of your deliberation. Because you're holding court in your heart every day of your life. You're holding court in your life and you're adjudicating what truth is. He says, Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And all they claimed, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, and birds and animals. So we got the movement today where, where we worship nature. So it says, when they they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. Therefore, God gave them over to their own sinful desires of their heart, sexual impurity, for the degrading of their body with one another. That's from Romans chapter 1, by the way. Paul speaks of those who have given themselves over to sensuality, but we also read that God gave them over to their sinful desires and appetites as an expression of his wrath for their denial of him. When God is denied, society does not stay the same. See, the thing is, and what we must be concerned with is we're losing this society that once represented a more righteous way. We're, we're losing it. It's slipping away from us. So therefore, as Christians, we must be activated, like, like we're all in the fire department, and somebody's got to ring the siren, calling Christians to prayer, calling Christians to witness, calling Christians back again, because g- what, what man cannot do, God can do. Yes. I don't believe we're on our way to the end. I believe that there's a wake-up call that's going out and God is saying, come on, get back to where you belong because I have work for you to do in the spirit. I have work for you to do. And, and so I can come and your children and your children's children can have a place that's right and righteous to grow up in. Amen. You know, I was, I was young when I got here and now I'm not young anymore. It's the O word, old. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there are moments you wake up and you, you feel like, man, I've lost, I need gas in my tank, you know? I need a refill. I need something. Well, you know what? Use your will. Get yourself a refill. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is how Carl Truman defines Um, Mimesis or mimesis um, um, is, there's two words he uses, mimesis and poiesis. Mimesis means to conform, right? So we grow up with a sense of it being our responsibility to become an adult, becoming a functional part of our culture, our society. That's mimesis, when you have an ordered society that you're a part of, and you give yourself over to being a part of that society. I'm not talking about sinful, but being a constructive part of that society. This poiesis means that we're making something out of society. We're not trying to follow any ancient pathways. We are creating something that's malleable and new and better than the ancients had it. And that's the big sort of stumbling block of this day that we live in. You know, we're, we're to conform, not to, we're supposed to be not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind, but we're to be transformed into an image that's painted here very vividly, right? And that Christians have really, are we ever going to be perfect? I don't even know what perfect is. My my greatest hope is to become mature in my faith. Does that make sense? But I don't want to build anything new. I don't want to make up a new Bible. God, send down a rewrite and take these things out because I don't like them. God is filled with love for you. He knows you by name. He's with you now. You are your own universe. He is with you now, no matter what you're thinking. God is with you now. I don't care if you don't believe, if you don't believe, but you think he might be true? That's scary enough right there. Say, God, if you are true, show yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Oh, Please, open my eyes. If you're not there, I'm just like another, like the rest of these Ignorant people who believe there's a God and they come to church and think it's worthwhile on Sunday to come to church. But you're in good company. You read about the heroes of our faith for the last 2,000 years, you won't find a better group of people. Let us never become bigger than our gospel, yeah? Let us bow the knee to the name of Jesus. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. So bless my brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our friends, our enemies. Bless them all, Father God. Bring them into your kingdom. Show yourself great and mighty. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And to find out more about Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow the handle at Church at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also head over to our website at www.cmcconline.org. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Englehart and everyone here at Castle Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.